1: It does come out in one piece. It comes out in
0: one piece. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. And now, here's Mark.
2: So here's a question for you. Is the pro-life movement winning or losing, or is it kind of like a draw right now? That's the question we're going to be answering here on the Mark Harrington Show with your radio activist Mark Harrington. You can find out more about our program. Go to markherrington.org, and you can follow us on all of our social media sites and over the air on Salem radio stations in Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland, and Detroit, Michigan. So we're going to be talking about uh, whether the pro-life movement is winning or losing. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because we are now, uh, yesterday that is, the anniversary of Roe versus Wade on January 22nd, 1973. That infamous case was handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court that decriminalized abortion. And we have been uh, suffering under that as a nation now for 47 years. 47 years, folks. I mean, I, I when I got involved in this, and it's been decades, I thought this would be over in five years. I thought, there's no way. We're going to keep killing babies. There's just no way we're going to do it. And here we are now, 47 years since Roe v. Wade, and we're still at it. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's it's surprising that we're even together as a country, knowing that the, uh, the shedding of innocent blood being, brings the judgment of God on a nation. But God's mercy apparently is still on us, and we're still in the fight, folks. And we're going to be talking about that today, winning or losing. Uh, whether we're winning or losing the pro-life message. Also, in the second part of the program, I want to talk about how Christianity matters, uh, how the sharing of the gospel also matters in the culture war. So stick around for that. Uh, So what we want to do here, we want to talk about uh, what's happening in the pro-life movement on the abortion front across America. And in order to do that, uh, I've brought on the program Today, Cheryl Solinger, who is the Senior Vice President for Operation Rescue. Operation Rescue is my second favorite organization. Of course, Created Equal would be my favorite. That's us. Uh, But Operation Rescue does awesome work, has since the beginning in the days when we were blocking clinics and all of what we were doing as far as uh, civil disobedience and all that. But Operation Rescue is on the forefront of shutting down abortion centers all across America, prosecuting abortion centers, abortionists, putting them in jail and all that good stuff. So they're on the front lines of all of that. And so I wanted to bring Cheryl on to talk about this because Operation Rescue released their annual survey or report on the state of abortion in America when it comes to the abortion facilities themselves. So we want to talk about that. And so I want to uh, welcome Cheryl Solinger to the program. Cheryl, thanks for being on The Mark Harrington Show. We appreciate it.
1: It's my pleasure.
2: So Cheryl, let's talk a little bit. I'm going to dive right in uh, to these uh, statistics and such. Uh, This report you guys do, by the way, is Incredible. I, I don't know how you do this. Maybe you can tell us. Maybe you don't want to tell anybody because maybe it's some kind of secret thing or what. But I don't know how you get this information, but you do it. Uh, according to your survey here, there are 367 surgical abortions. to uh, oh, I'm sorry, 367 surgical abortion facilities have permanently closed since 2013. Uh, There's been uh, a staggering 79% drop in the number of surgical abortion facilities since 1991. Think about that, folks, when there were 2,176 surgical abortion facilities in America. Uh, If that is an indication that we're heading in the right direction, I don't know what is. Uh, So, among other things, Cheryl, tell us about this survey Uh, Abortion centers have been closing year after year for some time now. Uh, What do you attribute that to?
1: Well, we attribute it to activism, pro-lifers on the street, saving babies, taking that business away from the abortion clinics. We also attribute it to state legislation. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of pro-life legislation has really caused a lot of problems for abortion clinics and it's made it so that it's not worth their business to stay in business. So we see abortion clinics closing because they can't or won't meet the regulatory requirements for abortion clinics in a number of states. There's several states that have no requirements, of course, and right. so pretty much like the Wild West of um, the abortion industry. But right. for the most part, we're winning through a combination of legislation, education and activism.
2: And when it comes to legislation, you know, I hear people out there saying, well, you know, you're just regulating abortion. Yeah, we're regulating them out of business. That's what we're doing. We're shutting them down. What laws in particular have had the most impact when it comes to the state level?
1: Well, um, interestingly, I think that hospital privilege requirements Mm
0: have
1: been um, very, very important in closing abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. Because. So many women are injured. It's really very, very underreported. Abortion is not safe. It's right. actually quite dangerous for women. And so, when a doctor doesn't have admitting privileges, the woman is just left to deal with her complications. They pretty much just get dumped on a hospital. We think that's really bad situation for the women. And so, um, the abortionist, you, if they can't qualify for hospital privileges, we believe we're gonna be conducting um, a procedure that's gonna put women's lives at risk like abortion does. So um, that has actually helped close a number of clinics. Interestingly, there's a case in Louisiana about hospital privileges that's going up to the Supreme Court on March 4th. March 4th. Very very important oral arguments are gonna be taking place then. Right and we hope that we have a victory at that level.
2: Right, that'll be a big one. March 4th, the U.S. Supreme Court hears a case on, The Louisiana case, if I recall, regarding these uh, so-called these transfer agreements or if you're pr- admitting privilege and so forth, um, which in, you know, in the state of Ohio, we've seen that as well. Uh, we've had uh, we had 14 or so abortion centers, surgical abortion centers in 2013, and we're down to seven. Of course, that's seven too many, but seven currently. So abortion centers are closing around the country uh, for a number of reasons, of course. Uh, Some people would say, well, you know, but Planned Parenthood, they're stepping up. They've been uh, building these mega centers across America, trying to pick up for uh, these other centers that are closing down. Uh, So as far as the numbers of abortions, of course, those are also decreasing. Can we look to the closing of abortion centers as an indicator that we're winning with that in mind?
1: Um, absolutely, we can, because because of the decreased demand for abortion, mm-hmm. there's a lot of competition for every abortion dollar. So when you see Planned Parenthood, who basically has access to all the money in the world, you know, right. they, if they need thanks money,
2: to our federal government.
1: Yeah. But <laughs> if they need money for any reason, build a new facility or whatever, all they have to do is stick out their hand and there's someone who will put a huge check in their hand to do that. So um, they're in a situation where um, they just have resources that are just unbelievable. But when you even they are subject to economics, though. So when you see them building these mega centers around the country, that's really a reorganization for them. It costs less money to consolidate services in one location. That does to operate a bunch of smaller locations, you know, so that is a money saving proposition. So when people see those big mega centers go up, they think, oh, Planned Parenthood is expanding and it's just horrible. But in reality, they're they're consolidating Consolidating. save costs.
2: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it because, you know, you see these gigantic uh, buildings that they're creating that are killing thousands of babies. It's like a you know, assembly line. It's discouraging in some ways to see these. But uh, I mean, that's a good point that um, they're really just trying to pick up for the slack and consolidating their abortion business, which is really what they're all about. That's why defunding Planned Parenthood is so so important.
1: Absolutely, and that right now, um President Trump has done everything he can to take away as much money from Planned Parenthood as he can. He made it so that they cannot get family planning grants anymore, which has taken about sixty million a year out of their coffers. But in order to completely defend Planned Parenthood, we need Congress, and that's why the next election is so very important if we well. can.
2: And I, to, I totally agree with you. I've, I'm, I'm losing patience with our Senate. That's just how many times we've we keep authorizing giving these, uh, the, the, you know, funding the government that includes Planned Parenthood funding. And uh, yet yeah. they run they say they're pro-life and they run as pro-life candidates, yeah. but they continue to fund Planned Parenthood. That's got to stop.
1: Yes, that does have to stop. But it, we need the House and the Senate both. And I think we'll get some agreement in the past when the Republicans have controlled both houses of Congress. um, It's we it's only been an illusion. You know, a lot of Republicans have been pro abortion. They've been against us. So what we really need to do is elect solid pro-life candidates and really make sure we um, invest our time in doing that. And that will pay off dividends in the end when we see them um, working to protect life on a larger scale um, through national legislation, which we have really not been able to get in the past.
2: So my guest is Cheryl Solinger. She's the senior vice president for Operation Rescue. Uh, You can go to operationrescue.org to find out more about what they're doing, uh, help them out financially. They need uh, the help to create these kinds of reports and keep the pressure on the abortion centers, Across America. Again, operationrescue.org. Cheryl, let's move on from the abortion centers and the fact that they are, uh, you know, that they're decreasing in number across America. Let's just talk about the numbers altogether. The numbers are continuing to go down on surgical abortions. Many would say that, that is, skeptics would say that, yeah, the surgical abortions are going down, but the abortion pill abortions are going up and possibly the numbers really aren't going down overall. How do you answer that question or that, that concern?
1: Well, we know for a fact that surgical abortion clinics have steadily decreased for like 10 years and probably longer. So right. um, that's, that's one thing. Medication abortions are increasing. The number of facilities are increasing but when you look at the closures and the opens, it's really pretty even. Now, this year, the Medicaid okay. abortion clinics did actually expand. But um, honestly, they're part-time facilities. They're only open, some of them once a week, some of them once a month. Those, And they're more expensive than having a pill abortion at a surgical facility. So I don't know. I don't see that. Um, they're actually winning. I see that they're really just treading water.
2: Agreed. And, you know, we're, like I say, we're down to seven uh, abortion, uh, surgical abortion centers here in our own home state of state of Ohio. And there are some abortion pill centers, you know, that are giving the abortion pill out. And I know it's Planned Parenthood and the abortion cartel's interest to try to drive down the the time in which women have abortions because they believe the early in pregnancy that women have abortions, the more people are willing to have them. Uh, so we have been chipping away at this forever. We started with late term abortions and surgical abortions, and we're closing these clinics and women are moving to pill abortions. And eventually you just get down, hopefully, that we're ending all abortions, but we're in going in the right direction. Uh, right. As far as a pill abortions, though, those are a lot harder, aren't they? to regulate, regulate the, the facilities that dispense them, doesn't that create another challenge for us as a movement?
1: It's not harder to regulate them. There's just no okay. to regulate them. Sorry? Okay, because the legislatures across the, the states have been convinced that these are so safe that anyone can hand them out to anybody and it's all okay. But what we found is that medication abortions are actually more dangerous than surgical abortions. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can plot it on a graph and see it for yourself. The number of medical emergencies that we um, see, the number of complications that we see reported in the few states that actually do report these things, the medication um, abortions skyrocket in complications compared to surgical abortions. All of them are dangerous. All of them send women to the hospital but the um, abortion pill has a higher complication rate. That's something that is hidden from these legislators. If people understood the true dangers of medication abortion, I think there would be regulated just like surgical abortion clinics in a lot of states. In fact, Missouri is a big example of how to handle that. When they put their regulations into um, effect on medication abortion clinics, Planned Parenthood, the only abortion facility left in um, Missouri, actually moved their pill abortions across the river into Illinois because they did not or could not comply with the regulations governing um, pill abortions. So um, we can look to Missouri as a good example on a number of levels. They have one abortion clinic left Um, next month. We expect... A decision on their license. There's been a big licensing controversy there, and we believe that by next month, Missouri will become the first state without an active abortion clinic since Roe v. Wade.
2: My guest has been Cheryl Solinger. She is the vice president or uh, senior vice president for Operation Rescue, my second favorite organization on the pro-life movement. And we appreciate her being on the program today, talking about the annual report. On abortion centers uh, and so forth, the closures across America, kind of giving a a thumbnail sketch of where we stand here as we are now, uh, unfortunately, remembering the 47th annual uh, Roe versus Wade anniversary. So, Cheryl, thanks for being on the program. Uh, Appreciate it. All right, so go to OperationRescue.org, find out more about their work. We appreciate Cheryl being on the program today. All right, switching gears here, I talked briefly up front about um, whether we're winning or losing and how Christianity uh, matters in the culture war, and I want to take the remainder of the program and talk about that. I don't know if I'll get enough time to complete what I want to say here, but uh, increasingly, we are finding as we see the landscape of America, we're looking at a country that does not believe what it used to believe when it comes to uh, biblical values, Christian values, a Christian worldview. That's true. And that's why we're seeing a moral revolution take place uh, all across America. And the question is asked often of us that uh, you can't end abortion, for an example, if you don't deal with with the gospel, if you don't deal with the concerns of the heart and regeneration and repentance. And our organization is different from many others within the pro-life movement where we're not a secular organization in that we don't just present secular arguments. Although we, when we're in a secular environment, we're going to use secular arguments like science and biology and logic and philosophy and law and those kinds of things. But abortion also has a spiritual component. And that component is this, that we are denying that we are made in the image of God, that we're created in his image. And that's where we derive our human dignity. And to leave that message out of the anti-abortion outreach that we do would be a huge mistake. We believe that you can't end abortion alone just with secular arguments. There has to be a regeneration of the heart. And so... People ask us, what's more important, saving souls or saving lives? And I often say, well, both of them are important, but one's more urgent than the other. And the urgency is on the side of saving lives. We live in a culture right now that's killing 2,600 children every single day. There's an urgent need to end it. We need to do everything we can. But the more important thing, of course, is the salvation of souls. And so we're trying to do both, right? We're trying to save souls and save lives. And we believe that just saving a life isn't enough if a person ends up going to hell. I mean, that's (laughs) so we're there preaching the gospel. And I would say we do it more than most. When people say, oh, are you preaching the gospel? I'll say, well, yeah, we're out in front of all kinds of people who don't believe in Christ on college campuses every single day. We get opportunities that most evangelists would really want to have that they don't get. So the question I ask, though, often is when they say, "You know, are you preaching the gospel?" I ask them, "What is the gospel? What does it say? What What is the gospel?" You know, it's not just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It's not just the message that Christ forgives sins. That's not just it. The gospel's much more than that. It's not just the four spiritual laws or taking someone down the Romans Road, if you will. There's much more to it. Uh, Matthew 28 really is what we should be following, where Jesus gave the Great Commission to his disciples when he told them to go, therefore, and make disciples of the nations, teaching them to obey all that he commanded us, which includes the law of God, which includes the Ten Commandments, which includes the prohibition against the shedding of innocent blood that we find in the Sixth Commandment. So. It's just not the narrow gospel. It's not just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that we should be concerned about preaching to people who don't know him. Whether we're talking about abortion or any other subject, it's got to be the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God. We need a balance. So we can't err on one side or the other. We can't be wholly secular when we're dealing with abortion, and we don't want to be entirely religious in the sense that we're only presenting the gospel message. That's inadequate. We got to have a well-rounded, full approach to the issue. And, you know, if you just look at Jesus, when he talked about the two commandments, the two great commandments, when he summarized the 10 commandments into two, and he told us to love God and love our neighbors, to love God, that's our 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 vertical relationship with God, that needs to be number one. And also to love our neighbor, that is the vertical relationship we have with others. And if we are not loving our pre-born neighbors who are being brutally dismembered and decapitated and uh, disemboweled 2,600 times a day, we cannot claim to be loving our neighbor. So it's much more than just the preaching of the gospel in the narrow or simple sense of that term. James talks about faith without works being dead. We can say we have faith in Christ, but without works, James says it's dead. And I submit to you, there are a lot of churches out there that have it right on abortion. They'll say, well, you know, we're against abortion. We're pro-life. We believe in the sanctity of human life. But they're not doing a single thing to end it. They're not lifting a finger to stop it. Faith without works is dead. Church like that, that doesn't go outside the four walls of its own church to reach out to those who are lost, those who are might contemplating abortion or have a destructive worldview that might lead them to killing their own baby, is a church where faith without works is dead. James condemns a private faith. We call that pietism, something that we just keep to ourselves that isn't going to help anybody. So winning, when it comes to abortion, winning isn't just ending abortion to us. Winning has a lot to do with that, of course. We'd love to see legal protections extended back to the pre-born, and we're working for that every single day. But we understand that winning is much more that. We want to see cultural revolution and reformation. We want to see repentance on a massive scale. That's what it's going to take to end abortion. Secular arguments alone are going to be inadequate for the type of revolutionary change we need to see on abortion. And what we're seeing across America is a moral revolution going in the other direction and abortion will not be outlawed in a vacuum. It can't be outlawed when all these other social indicators are heading in another direction. When sexual immorality and promiscuity and fornication are at rampant levels where we accepted that as a, as a culture. We're not going to see the end of abortion unless those things are changed. And the only way they can be changed is when people respect human life, they respect the dignity of the human person, that, re, that also includes human sexuality. And so when we say you need to preach the gospel, we believe there's more to it than the simple gospel in that the death, burial, and resurrection. It has to be all-encompassing. And so when we go out of college campus, we've got it all, hopefully, a, a comprehensive apologetic for the defense of the pre-born, but also for the defense and the preaching of the gospel. We need cultural change, repentance, and reformation. And so that's what we try to do here at Created Equal. And folks, if you wanna be part of what we're doing, go to createdequal.org. If you wanna be part of ending abortion and preaching the gospel, Join us at createdequal.org. We'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been
0: listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil, evil plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808, 614-269-7808, or go online to createdequal.net, createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.